I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, the opening of the road and a book on painting yourself calm. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy. I'm still here. And this is episode 442, An Open Road. Not a whole lot of mystery there. You can tell where this is headed, where we head when we head out on an open road. I hope things have been going well for you. I hope March went well, quickly, but well. I hope April holds good things in store for you and that you have projects lined up, projects underway. Those of you working on the 100-day project are not quite in the final stretch, but you are more than midway, only 40-ish left to go, and I am sure you are feeling really good about that. I hope you are feeling really good about that, really good about how it's going, what you are learning what you are exploring, your grasp of the subject or the medium, what that bit of time each day is offering you. And if you didn't do the 100-day project, I hope you're working on something else that brings you equal satisfaction. I hope some of you are keeping illustrated journals. A few of you are working on Illustrate Your Week as a way of doing an illustrated journal, combining your drawing and some note-taking or documentation. The weekly prompts are available. They are free and they just give you a way to pull something in that lets you add something without having to overthink, what do I put on this page? So those are always there if you are interested in trying them out. You can always go back and pull a prompt set from any of the prior weeks. I've been posting these since last summer and In 2021, they have had a weekly format and amalgamation of what I had initially separated as a daily list and a scavenger hunt list or a set of mix-ins. Now there's just one list. That's the way I started it for 2021. And I still think that has been working. It offers vast amount of flexibility. They are completely mix and match. You don't have to do anything on a specific day. You can pick and choose. You don't even have to do them all. They are all optional. I don't even do them all. Some weeks I do and some weeks I'm in a different mindset and I might just want to do a portrait every day and I fit in some of the other prompts that are filler, numbers, letters, some logging, some tracking, quotes. Those kinds of add-ins really give a textural feel to an illustrated journal They make it something different than just a portrait on a page. And I like the overall feel of the illustrated journaling process. It keeps the pages humble. That's how I think about it. Because even to take a snapshot of the portrait I drew of X person, there is likely going to be all kinds of other stuff around it, filling in the margins and filling in the space and maybe overlapping. It's not just a nice, neat, tidy, here is your face in a circle or a box on a page. So there's something grounding for me in that, something humbling in that. It 
forces the journaling process, the illustrated journaling process and the sketchbook to be something that is content with being a little more catch-all, a little more just a daily thing, a little more about doing it and habit and routine and ritual and the creative life versus, look, I made this very pretty thing you could hang on your wall and I need to show you. So there is something a little bit different if you are reaching out and trying to find some way to build your creative habit, working in your sketchbook or journal or diary or whatever it is, even your bullet journal, and adding a little bit of visual to that each day can be a really good way to start. They are designed to be open-ended enough to be inviting and engaging and You might have one answer and someone else will have a very different answer. They are not questions or prompts or nudges that are trying to lock anyone in to a certain approach. So those are out there and I have been doing that. But the road, the road, the road is where I am going to focus today. And there is going to be a book review at the end of this show. And it is a book on painting. And I will potentially put the timestamps in the show notes. That probably won't help you if you are using a player. But if you go to the show notes, you probably can jump ahead the road. Quote, I take to the open road, healthy, free, the world before me. Walt Whitman. And of course, quote, two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the one less traveled by. Robert Frost. Words that have always held such significance. Words that are in and of themselves a map for some of us. Quote, the road must eventually lead to the whole world. Jack Kerouac. Let's say it again without stumbling over eventually. Quote, the road must eventually lead to the whole world. Jack Kerouac. The Road opened a few weeks ago. The Road opened a few weeks ago. If I plotted things out on a timeline, maybe I would see that the string art from that moment to now correlates to other things I've been feeling. Maybe the path of that string art would be very clear. Maybe there is a relationship there that I didn't realize really had teeth. Probably it's more happenstance than anything. Coincidence. The opening of the road and this other thing going on with me. Maybe. I think plotting things on a timeline often sounds like a good idea just like I love the idea of mapping in general, map making, making maps. And yet, I rarely follow through and actually make them. So the road opening probably doesn't explain much, or maybe it does. And yet, the road opening is something I cannot ignore. I don't now know what day even the road opened. It seems like I would have written that down and highlighted it and put a bunch of arrows around it, put it in a box or a circle. I don't know what day it was exactly. 
when I saw it happening, I wasn't sure in that moment that that is what was happening. I don't know what day the road opened, it just suddenly did. I've come to realize how much the road came to mean to me over the last year, how much philosophical thought I poured into the fruitless steps up and down the road. Fruitless because it certainly doesn't look like I spent part of almost every day walking that road. But I did. The year took its toll on each of us in different ways, and age continued to chip away at us regardless, and that does a number on us in different ways, too. It's not the same for everyone. And those are processes that started before the pandemic. The road opened without fanfare. In the weeks before it opened, there were squeaks and squawks and petitions that contributed to the humdrum buzz of the days in community forums. The road being closed was a divisive issue. Some enjoyed what the closure offered to hundreds and hundreds of walkers, bikers, joggers, skateboarders, and more every day over the last year. And others saw the closure as a problem, as an urban issue, as a contributing factor to other things. The road was closed. This maybe two-mile stretch of road was closed. But the road was open. The road was closed to cars, but open to everyone else. In the earliest days of the pandemic, I walked the neighborhood roads. I walked down into other neighborhoods. The streets were almost empty of cars. The world was still as the early days of fear settled in. Walking those roads held a quiet that was entrancing. Walking up the middle of a road, there was such freedom in that. The world had stopped in a way that made it possible to just walk up the middle of a road and not worry about cars coming. An open road. Ultimately, I shifted out of the neighborhoods and shifted my walk to the landmark road, a landmark road that is near me, a twisty path that goes up to a lookout point, a vista point typically crowded by tourist buses, lots and lots of them, tourist buses and selfie sticks and people eager to get an iconic photo of them with the city of San Francisco behind them. When the road closed at both ends to car traffic, the road opened. Opened to the city. The city drew in on itself as many of us began walking, riding, skating, running the road. Road closed, road open. It depends on your perspective. I was so grateful that the road was closed that I could walk that road easily and without having to drive somewhere to walk. I didn't have to walk off-road. I could walk right up the center yellow line if I wanted. It made a huge difference during the core first year of the pandemic having that road available. I remember the first time I decided to try it. I remember being afraid of the road somehow afraid of walking that road, afraid in a way that I didn't want to be. 
I remember the first time I walked all the way up, the boys racing up the trails while I took the long way around. They went with me that time so that I could see what it really took. All the other walks, all the other walks, a whole year, all the other walks were alone. Some days I went all the way up to the top and then wound my way back down. And some days I walked a shorter distance twice. I admired the view around each corner, each twist and turn in the road in varying light. I puzzled over the way the roads and shortcuts looked at different points along the path. I never tired of the ribbon-like view of the roads from above. I listened to birds, snapped photos of the Dr. Seuss-like flowers, sidestepped the dead skunk, and listened for the whiz of skateboarders passing or bikers coming up behind me. I walked the road, and the city sprawled out before me. There are little snippet views where things are freeze-framed between trees little thumbnails that, if I was a painter, I would love to capture. And then, from the top, the view of the whole city. I walked the road through a whole year, a year that whizzed by with more sunshine than ever before. On days where I would start up the road and feel the nip of the wind, my spirits would lift. On days I would round the first corner into the gray veil of fog, I would breathe deeply. I don't take a lunch break. I've always worked straight through, but I started taking a walking break. I gained more weight in this year than most, but I walked. I walked this road. In a year marked for so many of us by new levels of isolation, loneliness, and the sense of being out of sorts, the walk, although solitary, was freeing. On many days, I talked with my mom while I walked, and she walked in her own neighborhood where she lives. But the walk itself was freeing. The walk was an anchor. The road was my road, and it was open to me. The freedom of being able to walk out the door and take this scenic walk was something I came to love. That I didn't have to drive somewhere to get to the spot was important. It was just there, welcoming, private, protected, challenging enough, windy at the best of times, and the tower rises in the distance, visible as you round the first curve from the bottom, and then it's right there as you walk the rest of the way up that whole outer edge, the road winding to the top, the tower, a ship in the sky, and the city nestled below it, circles and circles, clusters of houses, and in the distance, the ocean. This is a view you appreciate differently when you walk the road. And I think it took a pandemic for the city to come to appreciate this road in a different way, to appreciate it as this wonderful beacon of freedom and openness and beauty right there in the middle of the city. It is much like I think it would be to live with a beach within walking distance, that feeling, oh, so long ago, of vacations where I could walk out the door and onto the beach. (laughs) Oh, so long ago. Those are freedoms not to take for granted. These are spaces in our neighborhoods and communities not to take for granted. But then the road opened up. One day it was closed. 
and the next, it was open. It isn't a good walking option now. I have to drive to the little concrete loop around a water reservoir to walk. And it's there, and it's not terribly far. But I still have to get in the car and go and park and lock up certain things because I worry about the rise in city theft and carry other things on me that I never would have before because I worry about the rise in city theft and hide other things in different ways because I worry about the rise in city theft, all of those things. It's nothing like walking that scenic road. It's nothing like saying, okay, I'm ready, heading out for a walk, and just walking out the door and down the street, and then voila, there it is, the open road before me, the open road that was the closed road. The road opening to cars made a huge difference when driving, too. With the road closed for a year, when you drove up the street from the bottom, you had no option but to turn left onto the cross street. The road ahead was barricaded. We were in this together, the signs proclaimed. In a car, you didn't have to stop. You didn't have to look to make sure no cars were coming. You had no choice but to turn left onto the cross street. And so the rules of the road were temporarily suspended. And if you were coming down the cross street, when you reached the bottom, you needed to watch for walkers. But you didn't have to worry about cars hurtling down the hill at you. Now, you have to stop. You have to look. You have to assess speed. Can I make this turn before they reach me? And typically the answer is no, because they are coming way too fast. You have to stop now. You have to retrain yourself to think about things that didn't matter when the road was closed. It's a disconcerting need to be vigilant again, a reawakening of something that was always the norm. It's what you're supposed to do. You stop and you wait to make a left turn until you are sure nothing is coming. That's the way it always has been. The problem is sometimes the norm isn't the best option. There were bonuses to last year. So many people only see the shortfalls of the year. But it seems to me there were many silver linings. I have said that before. I can easily make a list of a few things at least that were better during the pandemic. And I made that list. And it's a fairly private list. You should make your own. Some of the good things were really good things. Some of those things, like the road, are going to be really hard to see change. Some of those things are things that never should have happened, but we were granted this bonus year. We were granted things that never, ever would have been that way if it was not for the pandemic. We also had this flexible year, this slower-paced year, this year that asked less in certain ways. As things inch back to normal, in some ways, a lot of things change. A lot of things will change. A lot of things still are going to change. And it's not all rosy. Going back to exactly the way it was before is not necessarily all good. All the traffic, all the waiting, all the noise, all the overcrowding, 
there are a lot of things that are not things I am eager to return to. But there are other things too. There are other things that opened up during the year, opened up in how we connect, how we can connect, what our availability is to connect. And those things are also changing and going to change. There were bad things in the year too, bad things in the same spaces, losses of connection, realization about what certain connections really are or mean, recognition of our own position and possibly our own isolation. The road reopening was a big change for me and it simply is what it is now. It's the same as it used to be. It is a road that dozens and dozens of cars are always going up and down. And it's almost hard to remember that for an entire year, that road was closed, which meant that road was open to me and was mine. And now it's not. In so many ways, it was a year speckled with moments of and on that road. There was a lot of philosophy wrapped up in things I observed along that road and the ways in which the road made me think about other things, about life and meaning and our paths and our creative journeys and on and on and on. The allure of the open road. I wonder if I can draw the curve of that road from the bottom. A list of things that were good in the year, I encourage you to make it, to take a few minutes and jot down the things that were good for you in the year as a result of the pandemic year. It's probably time now to throw out the bag of olive jars. It's time to take down the wall of instructions I taped up months and months ago in case they were needed. I wish though, that the road had never reopened. I wish that the benefit to the city of all those people who used the road every, every day was more important than the endless stream of cars. I considered taking advantage of a deal last week and signing up for two classes. I was really compelled. It was a really good deal. I'm still kicking myself a bit. I would have enjoyed seeing the class content eventually, I think. But after really debating about it, I admitted that with 40 plus days to go in the 100 day project, I'm not really in a position to switch mediums or switch focus or split my focus or try and do two very different kinds of things. It would really risk my 100 day project, which involves dip pen. I just couldn't do it. It's just not where I'm at right now, even though I really wanted to. A part of me really, really wanted to be able to sign up for these two classes and take advantage of a deal which made them possible for me. But I kept thinking that because I know that it's not where I'm at right now, with the same amount of money, I could buy a bottle of ink or maybe even two. And that would make a whole lot more sense because I really want that also right now. Focusing, refocusing, really owning up to yourself with where you are and what matters right now. It's really important. Stopping and doing that is really important. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean that you won't still regret not doing certain things, but 
instead of just going ahead and buying it all, which is obviously an approach many people take, it felt important that I actually stopped and said, I really want to do that, but I'm really entrenched right now in this other project and there's still a ways to go. Maybe the cool kids will all gravitate somewhere. Maybe they are gravitating somewhere. Maybe they'll all be gravitating right there. But really, even if I put myself in the middle of that cluster, trying to set myself up right alongside that cluster, I would still be on the outside of it. Oil and water. It's been a hard year. But somehow, I made it through that year. We made it through that year. But somehow, I feel like all of a sudden now, I've lost the thread, the thread of possibility, maybe. But I have been very much enjoying ink these days, fountain pen ink and colors of ink. I have been drawing in color, which I do not normally do, and really enjoying it. I think the more my mood has sunk, the more I have wanted to just go on an ink spree. Most days, all I can think is to write in really big letters. When I feel this way, all I want to do is buy more ink. It's funny the things that we lock in on. Who knows what it might be for you. There's probably something that when you're feeling really down in the dumps, or there are all kinds of words I could use, you entertain yourself by thinking about buying X, Y, or Z, or maybe you actually buy X, Y, or Z. But it is funny how we do that. And I have realized that ink and possibly pens is a big part of where I spend my thinking energy in those minutes, in those moments. Dipping into sample bottles has proven challenging. It's sometimes doable, but it's challenging and super messy. The things in bottles have worked much better. And I have really loved working with the colors. And there are just a whole bunch of, whole bunch of them that I want, that I want. Yes, that I want. I'm making a list. I'm putting that list in Notion, checking things off. Someday checking things off. I was listening to a podcast yesterday or the day before in the car. I was on the way to the pharmacy. Already traffic feels just like traffic again. Going anywhere takes more time than it should. And I didn't have a book on tape. So before I headed off, I thought, oh, let me pull up a podcast because I caught a whiff of a reference to a podcast about writing in something I had been reading. And I don't know offhand what that show was. And I didn't remember what it was when I was sitting in the car that day. I still need to go and read that article that's open where I saw the reference. But just the idea of that was enough to make me pull up my podcast app. And I idly searched on fountain pen shows. And I looked at a few of the names and the episode lists. I was trying to find one that is still being produced rather than one that has pod faded. And I found one and I started listening. There was something just so nice in listening to people talk. Casual talk. Just hanging out talk. So much of the time, casual talk doesn't have a real point. But it sounded so easy. It was nice to listen because it sounded so easy. 
just chat, chatter. For anyone who has taken note of my mentions of the series of books that I've gotten hooked on, I bet there's somebody out there. I am in book three now, three of 16, true, but book two was, I think, close to 700 pages, and book three is, I think, somehow close to 900 or something like that. And I am completely hooked. I'm still completely hooked. There's something so relatable about this character. And that sounds odd because he wouldn't seem to be a character that many of us could or should relate to at all. But there is something about being with him in his head, observing these years as they happen. He's retelling these from a future point, but the way it is written, you are right there as it happens, as it unfolds in his head. I am mesmerized by the telling and the ways in which the story and the relationships between people have sucked me in. Our intrepid hero, although he's never cast as a hero, he has now been abandoned by everyone close to him. Book three has hit hard already. It really has. And I am riveted. So if you're looking for a fantasy read, if you are a sci-fi fantasy reader and enjoy the fantasy side, anything medieval, Arthurian, magic-oriented, that kind of thing, if you liked Game of Thrones, if you're that kind of reader, this is definitely a series that you should consider. And I have read so many people talk about these books now. It is one of those things that you wonder why you never heard of it before. And probably you just weren't listening or weren't looking or didn't have your eyes open. It was there all along. So maybe for someone who needs it, I can offer you that suggestion because I think that this is just a wonderful series. I hope that the whole series is equally good. I hear that it is, but the first trilogy is clearly a powerhouse. So a book, a book, a book, a book. And we haven't done quite so many books because the library hasn't been normal, but I did reserve a few. I have more hesitation about reserving 20 or 30 books and picking them up in person when somebody has to go and get them for me. It was different when I could surreptitiously walk in, go to the shelves, pick up my pile, check them out at the self-check kiosk, and didn't really have to interact with anyone about the fact that I have this crazy pile of books. But I did reserve two recently, and one is really beautiful, but I feel like it's a textbook, and I can't even wrap my head around that right this second. It's not a textbook, but it was so dense in its beauty and yet so dense that I'm not right there. But this other one definitely belongs here. And I think many of you need to and will want to check this out. It's not new, but recent enough that your library might have it. It is called Paint Yourself Calm by Jean Haynes. And it's subtitled Colorful Creative Mindfulness Through Watercolor. And the color on the front of this book, it's a beautiful green blue a turquoise color, a mint, an aqua. It's lovely. It's really close to one of the colors of ink that I have been debating and waffling over now for far too many months. And 
think finally I just need to have. It's beautiful. So the color on the cover wraps up this book even before you open it. It just, you want to hold this book. Maybe if you really hate that color range, you won't have the same response that I did, but it's really beautiful. On the inner book jacket, quote, everyone can escape from stressful life situations to find inner peace simply by playing with color, end quote. I'm still not in a paint mindset. I sort of wish I was, but I'm not. I often think longingly of the days when I was using watercolor each day, and that's been 20 years. Maybe not 20, but it's approaching 20. 17, 18, 19, it's approaching 20. It was different. Using watercolor was different. And I wasn't using it completely freely like this. I was more representational. You can fill space more quickly with paint. That's the long and the short of it. You can fill space more quickly. And that's part of it, part of what I kind of wish for. That fluidity, that ease, the little bit of fastness that offers at times. But my heart is still with ink right now. It is. And yet reading through this book, So much of what I feel about drawing is in this book about painting. You have to stop and think about that. So much of what I talk about and believe and tell you and share and exemplify and try and draw out and bring to others about drawing and mindfulness and balance and life and the creative journey is in this book about paint. That's really, really pretty interesting. I love Jean's emphasis on painting as a way to tune out the world, find a calm and balance, and escape almost into an inner space where pushing color around is what matters. She says, quote, I enjoy painting. Actually, that is an understatement. I don't just enjoy it. I adore it. And it has changed my life for the better end quote. Quote, one thing I do know and wish to share is that when I paint, I feel different. Whatever has been happening in my life, I can change my mood or feel calm simply by moving a brush. Over the years, I have learned that painting is therapeutic. It calms the soul, end quote. And that's pretty much what I talk about with drawing over and over and over again, I find myself talking about very similar things and a very similar mindset with drawing. This book is about abstract painting, about using paint and color to quiet yourself and just enjoy the movement of color. Painting can be mood changing, she says. And I have to say, I love looking at the samples in this book. They are beautiful, gorgeous, and yes, calm and calming satisfying. The first 25-ish pages set the stage. She reiterates in multiple ways the potential power of painting to bring mental calm and to improve your energy and to enable mood transformation. She talks about paint as an escape from the troubles of the real world. The book then contains a series of simple guided exercises designed to help you explore the medium, play with color, Along with the examples are instructions on making time 
and valuing that time on slowing down. There are sections on color flow, landscapes and color. Let's see, if we look at the table of contents after that introductory section called Taking a Leap, the next section is color flow. And within that, there are simple landscapes, simple color flow exercises, facing obstacles, nature's calming influence, and calming thoughts. And then the next section is called the peaceful zone. And the sections of that, what is the peaceful zone, lifting the mood, finding energy and strength, sands of time, color from the sun, healing herbs, nothing but blue skies, healing lavender, and well-being. And then there is a final section called inner peace. Quote, when you are painting, it is possible to temporarily forget what is happening and to be drawn into a wonderful world of color where nothing else matters. While we are in this private world, it doesn't. All that matters is that you, the one holding the brush, are happy. End quote. Quote, it was only when I made a conscious decision to treat painting like eating as part of my daily routine that my life and art career changed. More importantly, the happy, calm state I am in when painting helps me deal with other issues far more easily. During and after my painting time, I am more aware and able to think calmly about how to prioritize and plan other aspects of my life. End quote. The overall focus on simplicity creates a welcoming atmosphere. I really like the way the book is written, and if I was wanting to paint, I would definitely want to sit and read through this book for the wisdom, the gentle philosophy and encouragement, and the gorgeous examples. In a chapter called Color from the Sun, the head quote reads, quote, so often in life we try too hard, and that effort takes away the enjoyment of doing something simply for the sheer pleasure of doing it end quote. That line speaks to me. I feel like so many are caught up in the doing, the doing of things for show, for the showing, for the posting at Instagram. Almost the minute the paintbrush is put down, almost the minute the ink dries or before the ink dries. For some, the doing seems almost to be only important as a conduit to the exposure to the showing, to the sharing. And the showing and the sharing and the exposure and the connection, it all has a place. But it is the doing that I find peace in. The sharing is often not what you expect. It might not go the way you expect. The doing is where I can slow down and settle my mind and forget for a few minutes, or if not forget, at least quiet the intensity of the worry, the anxiety, the loneliness, the sadness, the whatever it is. And I found in this book a very similar thread, a very similar approach, a very similar outlook and philosophy and view of the creative life and the benefit of habit and routine, of the valuing of the time it takes to sit and work at your art because it helps balance the rest of your life. This book really spoke to me. Quote, painting is not solely about creating a painting that is good enough for sharing with friends or hanging on a wall. Sadly, that is how art is seen by many. But painting can be so much more. It can be a way of life. End quote. In the Color from the Sun chapter, she focuses on paintings that glow. 
Imagining the Warmth of Sunshine on the Skin. I think this is a book many of you will enjoy, especially if you want to use paint and color and are struggling to find inroads. This free-flowing approach is rooted in the value of a creative habit and the ways in which that process can contribute to your overall life balance and satisfaction. I sometimes think that painters and drawers have this great divide between them. And yes, lots of people both draw and paint, but whatever you're doing at the time, it feels like there's this divide between the acts of painting and drawing and between people who self-define as painters versus people who self-define as drawers, which is such a hard word to say because it also looks like drawers, drawers. It's a very awkward word. You painter people have a much nicer word, painters versus drawers. But there seems like there's a divide, especially when it comes to abstract painting and representational drawing, the line between those two things. And yet in this book, I found a philosophy that I could completely relate to that closely parallels my own. And I think this is the invitation to paint that many of you need and want. If you have listened to me talk about mindfulness and mark making and even just filling space with hatching or with lines or with pattern or polka dots or just coloring a space in, if you use colored pencils, just burnishing, taking the time and sinking into the half hour it might take you to completely burnish a square in a color. If you have been interested and intrigued by all of that, but you're just not so much into drawing, I think this is a book that can open up paint for you in that way. And color. If you love color, this might be a book that will be inspiring and helpful for you. I am the art. The art is me. And so that is it for episode 442. Very, very long I knew talking about the road would be long. It's funny. There is another show, another road philosophy show that didn't get done. And I didn't know the road was going to close. So someday there will be another show about shortcuts. I realize that whole first part wasn't about drawing. And yet it is about seeing and it is about observing. It is about self-reflection and in many ways about our journey and our path. So I appreciate you listening. And I hope that, as I said, I hope things are going well for you. As always, I'm Amy, and you can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. The show notes are on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. You'll find links there to the books that I talk about, like today's book, and there is a second book that came after that one that I meant to mention earlier. There is a second book, so I will link that in the show notes. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidlis. You can find me at Instagram as oamyoamy. I am spending a good bit of time still experimenting with YouTube and trying to be really practical, pragmatic, realistic, and vulnerable. And let go of all my perfectionist streaks just to try and keep experimenting and keep putting things out. And so I hope you might give the O Amy O Amy channel a try and hope you might subscribe there. 
So there's a mix of things happening there, but I am really pushing at what I'm doing. It's very slow, very slow. The ideas are not slow, but getting from start to finish is very slow. So I hope you might follow me there. Thank you to those of you who support the CMP in any way. Kofi, the Amazon wishlist, bottle of ink, anything like that. And thank you to those of you who are at Patreon, patreon.com slash creativity matters. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe keyword for this week secret word here at the very end of a very long show detour <laughs>